Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee. I'm a consulting astrologer, somatic intuitive, and movement educator. As an embodied astrologer, I seek to understand astrology as a process for tracking seasonal, lunar, and planetary time in context with our embodied experiences. These experiences include our personal growth and individual life paths, relationships with families, friends, partners, and other people in general, the ways we intersect with social movements and politics, and also a larger view of our psychological and spiritual evolution as human beings alive on planet Earth. In this month's episode, I'll be exploring Cancer season. Cancer season in tropical astrology begins with the solstice on June 20th and lasts through July 22nd. This episode was recorded on June 21st with a live online audience who came together to participate in one of my astrology attunement rituals, where we worked with the themes of cancer season and the powerful new moon and eclipse that occurred directly on the solstice this year. What you'll hear are two segments from this ritual workshop. In part one, I give a reading for the astrology of cancer season. This includes meanings and symbolism of cancer as a sign and some of the ways we might see, feel, and work with this energy currently in our individual lives and within our collective awareness. In part two, you'll hear the first part of a guided visualization and meditation on remembering and connecting with your primary support structures and bringing embodied awareness into some of the relational bonding patterns that cancer's energy stimulates. This meditation and journey is meant to support you through this month of cancer season in doing some of the deep internal listening work that I speak to the need for in the chart reading. As always, I invite you to listen with me here through the lens of your own intuition and embodiment. I can only speak from my own frame of reference, and of course that's limited. Feel free to adapt what I say and make it relevant for you in your life. Take what works and leave the rest. If you're interested in working more deeply with cancer season, you can access the recording of this ritual, which includes the setting of ritual space, a somatic movement practice that explores the cancer Capricorn polarity and balance in the body, guidance on applying current astrology to your own chart, and a community discussion and Q&A with the workshop participants. The recording is available by sliding scale donation through July 22nd. 100% of the proceeds for this event, both live and recorded, will be donated to the Justice for Black Girls initiative. If you'd like to join me for a live online attunement ritual, tickets are available now for the Capricorn Full Moon and Lunar Eclipse with special guests Ramon and Michelle Gabrieloff Parrish on July 5th, and the Leo Season Solar Attunement Ritual on July 21st, where we'll work with honoring and integrating Leo's energy and calling in our intentions for the month of Leo Season from July 22nd through August 22nd. Registration for these events is offered fully by sliding scale donation. 100% of my lunar attunement proceeds are donated to communities hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic and to initiatives celebrating BIPOC healing, liberation, and resilience. Make sure to listen to my free month ahead horoscopes for cancer season to learn more about how this season affects your sign. If you enjoy this work and find benefit in it, please share it with your friends and leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to help sustain this work, please consider making a one-time financial donation or signing up to become a monthly, quarterly, or annual donor at any amount. When you sign up with a recurring donation, you also gain access to my exclusive subscriber content that includes discounts on my virtual classes and birthday reports, monthly extended forecasts, and printable day-by-day astro journals with prompts for working with the planetary aspects and lunar cycles through embodiment practices. For more information, to sign up for a subscription, and to register for upcoming online events, please visit embodiedastrology.com.
something's been happening for me in the last couple of months with uh, recording the month ahead podcast, especially like a feeling of, um, wow, I don't really want to do this alone. I, wa- I want to be in community and especially coming up to, to cancer season and a lot of the themes of cancer season that have to do with connection and family and um, safe space emotionally, like feeling like we're connected. This has really been a time that I've been like, I don't want to just sit in a room and record to a, to an unknown void. Um, it feels like it's really important for me personally to be engaging more with community um, um, for my work. And uh, hopefully this is a, a nourishing space for you too. Um, and yeah, I feel excited about this as a potential shift. Um, some of what I'll talk about in a little bit when, when I start to talk about the chart is something that I think is happening for a lot of folks in a lot of places in a lot of different situations where we're um, kind of rethinking a lot of paradigm that has to do with professionalism, especially like, oh, this is what it means to know something or to be an authority or to have something that's worth sharing or to take up space. Like we feel like we need to, um, you know, assume a, a particular kind of performance or have a particular kind of validation. I think a lot of us are recognizing that um, not only are those false constructions, but um, the more that we can be personal and um, transparent and tender, the more we believe one another, the more we trust one another, the more we feel like confident in who we actually are. And I think a lot of folks, um, especially with, with all that we're learning now about immunity, like we're recognizing that a culture of working really hard and having particular kinds of, um, you know, assumptions about the value of, of, uh, of work in, in this way that I think a lot of us have worked really hard, um, that it's not something that we want to do anymore, that it's not only, you know, tiring and not so great for our bodies and our families, but as a as a collective um, family and in this world right now, we really need to be more energetically connecting with each other. And that means that, you know, the ways that a lot of us have been um, focused, whether by necessity or choice on things like productivity is just not really where we want to be anymore. I don't know if anybody else is having this kind of experience where you're just like, fuck it. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to engage that way anymore. Um, so in, um, you know, be, being here in this way today and um, taking this, this step for myself, it feels um, vulnerable for me. Um, often when I record, it's like I have my pages and pages of notes. And then anytime I feel like I mess up, I'm stopping the recording and going back and um, really kind of um, monitoring myself, trying to do things right. And there's not the opportunity to do that here in real time with you. And I feel really grateful for that, um, for the way that it brings me into my own uh, process of authenticity and transparency. So thank you so much for being here and holding space for me and with each other. One thing that's happening for me as I work with astrology, and this is really, I think, relevant to where we are right now and what I was trying to express at the beginning is that 
as I'm resonating with astrology, I'm also thinking, you know, this is a language that has been primarily developed in the white Western Eurocentric world, and it's based on Greek and Roman myths. And I don't really want to perpetuate those myths um, for myself. And a lot of the, the traditional reading of astrology is very gendered. And um, as a person who feels myself as gender inclusive, like, I really don't want to perpetuate those myths. So part of what I'm doing in myself right now is trying to reframe the way that I think about astrology. Um, and I'm recognizing that it's very much just a, a way for me to access my own associative mind and intuition. Um, and I'm trying to let go of these ideas that I need to like know stuff and like fit in with the boxes of astrology um, in order to explain it or um, be validated in it. So I'm going to try now as I talk to really just listen to my own intuition and talk about what's coming through. Okay, so um, this, is the, this is the chart for today. Um, the, the new moon perfected um, around midnight Pacific time. Um, so we're in kind of the waxing crescent, the first few moments of the waxing crescent today. So you can see the, the symbol for the sun and the symbol for the moon um, are in the same place and they're both in the sign cancer. And so here we have the glyph or the symbol for cancer. And in this symbol, what I see is uh, this birth within birth, life within life, that is so much a symbol of the womb space. And so I'm sure you've heard this, you know, that the cell, the egg that created you um, existed in your grandmother's body that all um, you know, human beings who are born with ovaries um, are born with all the eggs that they'll ever have in their life. So when the person who birthed you was growing as an embryo, um, as a fetus, they had all the eggs that they would ever have and one of those made you. So in terms of cellular memory, when we think about our cellular memory and these first beginnings and that you know, we came from an egg, um, often I think, okay, that, that egg has its own story. It lived within our, our grandmother's bodies. And so in this symbol for cancer, what I, what, what I feel in this symbol is this feeling of womb within womb, life within life. And I want to offer that across the sex and gender spectrum. I want to say that um, where we come from in terms of our DNA origin and our energetic origin, um, you know, is we're all being born from our grandmother's bodies and we all participate with our ancestors. So if you're a person who doesn't have a, a uterus or eggs or whatever, like don't feel excluded in, in that um, little story there. So we're entering into cancer season. Um, this is the time of year that is begun with the solstice where I am in the Northern hemisphere. That means that it's the longest day. Um, and this is the beginning of summer here up here in the Northern hemisphere. Um, the uh, opposite sign is Capricorn, and the beginning of Capricorn is uh, the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. So if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then it's switched. Um, Cancer and Capricorn are what are called cardinal signs, and cardinal signs begin seasons. So in a place that has four seasons, like I am, 
um, we have four signs that start off the season. So Cancer, Capricorn, Aries, and Libra. And the, the cardinal signs uh, form what's called the cardinal cross, right? So um, uh, in the cardinal cross, we have a, a 90 degree axes set up, uh, four signs holding a cross or holding a square. And any time the beginning of one of those signs is triggered, then the beginning of all of them is triggered. And so zero degrees or one, the first degree of one of the cardinal signs triggers what's called the Aries point. And the Aries point is the place in the sky where the vernal equinox is, where the beginning of Aries is. And anytime the Aries point is triggered, and that means anytime the very first degree of a cardinal sign is triggered, we have a symbol of a really significant change. So these are all signs that change seasons. They start a new theme. They start a new kind of energy. Their cardinal signs, cardinal energy is decisive and it starts things. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to start it and I'm going to do it this way. So today we have the, the sun moving into Cancer. Um, we have a new moon and a solar eclipse uh, in Cancer. And so this is kind of a supercharged new moon right uh, on the, the first degree. So triggering the Aries point. So right away, we know that this is a powerful new moon. It's coming in with an eclipse. It's coming in on the Aries point. And this is a time that is representative of some kind of important change. The Aries point as well, or the first degree of the cardinal signs are, is known for being highly visible. So when we have planets and points uh, in contact with the Aries point at the first degree of a cardinal sign, then that energy is really visible. It takes up a lot of space. There's something that people are paying attention to. Um, so we know that the themes of this new moon are themes that are coming into visibility for each of us on our individual levels uh, and also on a collective level. So there's something that's happening around this new moon, around this eclipse that is highly visible. We're paying attention to it. Now, Cancer um, is a sign, again, that uh, relates to this kind of birth space or the origin space. Um, Birth and origin are, um, they can definitely be loaded in the personal context. So let's think about them in their multiple layers. Um, so we have the birth and the origin of our own bodies. We have the origin of our families, ancestry, roots, lineages. Um, cancer is related to the um, the, the kind of protective space. So the zona pellucida, this kind of boundary that I was talking about that holds um, the, the growth space, the, the egg as it's starting to, um, to, as the cells are starting to multiply. We also have cancer as a womb space, right? As this kind of larger protective or containing space. We have cancer as an image of the home space. So what happens in the home? We have cancer as the, the space of the tribe. Um, and so probably, you know, most of us are aware that it's only very recently in our human evolution that our consciousness um, is not, you know, tribal, like 
and maybe for a lot of people it still is, you know, that community is such a big part of consciousness and who we're part of um, is key for our survival, right? And so when I'm saying tribal, I'm not, I'm not associating to like tribal traditions or something like that. I'm literally talking about a group of people who you belong to, who help you survive, who help you get the food that you need, who help protect you from the elements and from, you know, danger. So the, the tribe, the family, the community, um, this is very much the domain of cancer. Sense of belonging, sense of safety, security within what's known, the interior space, the internal space, what's happening on the inside. So we've got this, this idea of some kind of protective holding and on the inside there's all this growth that's happening. So what's happening on the inside, what's personal, what's deeply interior. Um, <clears throat> cancer is a water sign and the water element in the astrological language speaks to emotion, to our feelings and cancer as a cardinal sign, we can think of this as the beginning of feelings. So where do feelings start? Um, if you think about water molecules, um, what they do is they bond together. So if, if you have, if, you know, you see some condensation somewhere, like the little drops of water, as they come closer to one another, they, they, they bond, they pull each other into magnetism, and then they pool. So this is the nature of water. So when I think about cancer and cardinal water, I think of the magnetism of water and the bonding function that happens within water. So the energetic, emotional element of water and of cancer is this instinct to bond, to care. So the beginning of feeling, I belong to someone, someone belongs to me. Um, you know, th this is what I'm attached to. This is my sense of safety. This is my sense of security. This is my sense of home. If we don't have those things growing up, if we don't have safe emotional spaces, um, we know that a lot can happen in the developmental physiology and psychology. And so you may have, you know, read studies or experienced this in your own life or um, with people that you know of folks who didn't have, um, you know, either very present or very healthy caregivers around them. And if there wasn't entrainment, like emotional entrainment of a parent looking at a baby, kind of mirroring their emotional space, right? Like the baby's smiling, the parent smiles, right? The baby feels sad, the parent looks concerned. You know, that kind of emotional recognition is really important when it comes to our developmental psychology and therefore our, um, you know, our, our mental, physical, emotional process. And this is what I think of when I think of cancer, is this kind of very early fundamental emotional entrainment that happens in um, the relationships of, of our early environments and then continues to happen in the relationships we have that are, um, you know, safe or that should be, right? So like, with the people that we call family or the people that we live with or something like that. So the experiences that we have at home and in places where um, we go to rest or, 
you know, we, we store our things or something like that. What's happening in those emotional relational spaces? We can think of that as, as what comes up with cancer. Hey everyone, I want to quickly interject here and state something that maybe wasn't stated completely explicitly when I was recording this bit of the reading, Um, which is to say that, of course, as we're thinking about early entrainment and emotional development, we definitely need to consider societal and collective context outside of the immediate family unit. A lot of what we are learning right now, I think, as a society is that people are experiencing life drastically different, that there are many different realities, many different worlds that are happening. And for a lot of people, this can be surprising. They might think that there are um, particular assumptions or, or experiences of normal that everybody has growing up in the country that they're in or in the town that they're in. And in fact, there are so many different experiences that will change drastically depending on a person's positionality, on their race, their gender, their sex, their class status, and other um, important embodied experiences such as uh, ability and disability or different kinds of neurocognitive experiences. So as you listen to this interpretation, please also consider these large frameworks and how you are reflecting on your own experience with cancer's energy and uh, how you see these experiences reflected in the collective. So I don't want to present an an either or or a good or bad. Sometimes people will talk about um, astrology that way. I think that this is a continuum. Um, So if if there are disturbances in the home environment, that could be something that's happening in the cancerian function um, as much as if there's, uh, you know, nurturing that's happening in the home environment that happens in the cancerian function. I want to think specifically here about the home environment and what's happening in our kind of fundamental early relationships, our emotional entrainment, sense of belonging, the interior self, and where we feel safe or secure or where we are needing those kinds of feelings. So cancer season begins, and this is a time when if we're paying attention to tropical astrology, we might just want to be more aware of what's happening at home, be more aware of what's happening in our bodies. Um, At the new moon, and especially with an eclipse, we're invited to think into how we are moving through our growth and evolution and what we're learning about these themes in our lives. So eclipses um, happen in sequences and um, we'll have eclipses at the same times of year for about two years generally. And in 2018, in July, we started to have eclipses in what we'll call Cancer and Capricorn season. Um, So cancer season begins at the solstice, right? It lasts about 30 days until July 22nd. So in July of 2018, we started to have eclipses uh, in this season, in cancer season. And then we also have eclipses six months on the opposite in Capricorn season. And for the last two years, we've had eclipses in these seasons. And so if you're with me for the last um, lunar attunement at the full moon in Sagittarius, I was talking about this is the first full moon in a new sequence of eclipses because now we're going to move into the next year and a half of eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius season. 
So today's eclipse and then uh, the next eclipse um, in two weeks from now on the full moon, which will be in Capricorn, are the last ones in this series of eclipses that started in 2018. And um, you can see that this symbol here that looks like a pair of headphones that has a little T in it, um, this is a symbol for the, for the North Node. And the North Node is the ascending node of the moon, basically where the moon rises. And when the moon um, is close to the node, then, or when the sun or the moon is close to the node, then we have an eclipse. So here we've got an eight degree orb, we've got a partial solar eclipse um, that perfected around midnight last night. And the North Node in the astrological symbolism, again, where the moon is rising, is um, symbol of the direction that we are moving towards in our growth. The South Node, which is opposite, and on this chart it's not pictured, but it's exactly opposite to here, so at 29 Sag. The South Node is what we're moving away from in our growth. Since 2018, we've had eclipses with the North Node in Cancer and the South Node in Capricorn. The symbolism is that we are moving towards Cancer in our evolution, in our mental, emotional, uh, experiential evolution, in what we're trying to build and manifest, and we're moving away from Capricorn. So I wanna talk a little bit about these two signs and how they uh, kind of are the same thing, but how they also present polarity. So if Cancer is the image of the home, security, uh, safety, and the interior, and the relationships that happen in the interior, the bonding, this is really important, this idea of bonding, then Capricorn um, would represent the, the rules and the traditions that are formed in our family structures. It would represent the ways that we defend and preserve our family structures. So if, if I'm coming from, you know, uh, my, my family, my tribe, we have our own traditions, right? And my people have an expectation of a certain kind of behavior, and then they're going to expect that of me. So if, if I am expected to uh, grow up and be a doctor, and that's the expectation in my family, if I participate in that expectation, it ensures my safety. It ensures that I can continue to be part of that family. If I break from that tradition and I say, actually, no, I'm going to go be a, an artist, um, I risk being outcast, right, depending on, on, my, on my family, on how accepting they are. So Cancer and Capricorn are creating one another. So we have the, the bonds, the emotional um, uh, magnetism of the people who we belong with, and then we have the traditions and the expectations that are built through those bonds and over time. Now, over a considerable amount of time, we might have things like legacies. So there are lots of legacies in the world, right, that we're constantly dealing with. Like there's the legacy of, you know, the Rockefellers, and there's the legacy of white supremacy, maybe the same as the Rockefellers. Um, we've got legacies that, that travel through in so many different ways and uh, traditions that become legacies. And 
those legacies and traditions um, will have some kind of foundational force in society. So Capricorn uh, represents the ways that things build slowly over time. So if we want to think about a, a mountain, like in, in the earth realm, Capricorn would represent a mountain or an old growth forest, something that builds slowly over time with lots of duration through lots of repetition, right? In our human realm, Capricorn um, would be represented in a government, in, in some kind of body that has been built slowly over time based on the strength of the traditions and the legacies um, that were dominant. And there can be a lot of different dominant traditions and legacies, many different systems that can, that can coexist. Um, so we want to think about this in, in multiple different ways. We can think about governments, we can think about, um, you know, traditions within a nationality, we can think about really old, uh, like family systems. Um, but think about the ways that traditions and expectations around behavior then seek to preserve themselves and protect themselves. So with Capricorn, we have the solidifying function of cancer. So if cancer is the interior family space, it's also what protects the interior family space. Now over time, um, and if there's not some kind of uh, consciousness around it, whatever is protective can like get hard, it can get rigid, right? So Capricorn represents the, the, the ways that these soft spaces protect themselves and also how they will seek to preserve themselves. Right now in the world, um, one of the ways that this is resonating for me is seeing how um, the United States, which is a cancer sun, right? Fourth of July birthday. Um, the United States has a very strong identity as a, as a nation. Um, and that identity is very much about the people, right? So in a lot of the founding mythology of the United States, there's all, all this language around the people. So with cancer, again, we have who, who's part of this, who's contained, who belongs. And part of the founding mythos of the United States is who belongs. So we have this, this myth of the melting pot. Um, we have a myth of um, whatever, you know, people asserting their freedom. We, ha we have uh, all these different stories that we might think of when, when the United States as an entity is called up. Now, the United States has the largest military in the world. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if we have the largest police force, but we obviously have a really uh, deeply entrenched and uh, very strong police force in the US, right? Really highly funded police force. Um, the US has a really large incarceration system. So when I'm, 
thinking about astrology on a collective level and I'm thinking about this eclipse, I'm thinking about the, um, the deep sensitivity and sense of uh, security that has been um, uh, nurtured and, and sought to be protected um, within the United States as its entity, as its governmental entity. And then the way that these um, structures of um, military and police and incarceration have been built around the idea of safety, of security, of defense. So thinking about Cancer and Capricorn, for me, when I feel into it, I think about the balance between what is sensitive and fragile and tender and personal and what is external facing and defensive and protective. And when we think about cancer, sometimes we think about that hard shell. And so I wanna say that cancer and Capricorn are part of the same polarity. They're, they're often considered opposites, but I think of them as really the same in that one will give way to the other. They, they exist because the other exists. So Capricorn can show us the, the container of something. In the body, it rules our skin and our bones. And Cancer can show us the interior of something. Cancer rules the stomach, uh, the fluids, the chest, the breast, the tears. Contents need container. Container needs contents. As we move into Cancer season, there are a lot of conversations that are being had. There's a collective um, expansion of language and awareness that for some people, um, this is like really old news. Like I think a lot of folks are having an experience right now of like uh, a, a little bit of, of surprise maybe or like dismay that so many people are suddenly becoming aware of something that they've been aware of for a long time. But in, in the collective, in terms of what's happening on a mass level, what's coming through lots of different channels, what many people are talking about all around. There are so many conversations right now that are happening around um, who belongs and who doesn't belong and who's had a chance to feel that they belong or not. And so with what has happened in the United States, which has then precipitated a happening all over the world, um, with the murder, with the killing of George Floyd, and with the movement for Black Lives, and what Black Lives Matter has built as a movement, which is honestly incredible, so absolutely incredible how much this movement has grown and developed and really become a, a worldwide movement. When I'm feeling into this chart and feeling into the sentiment that I'm picking up, through my body in the place that I am, what I'm noticing is that a lot of, of nuance now is able to come into the spaces where we are having conversations about safety um, and sense of home and sense of security. And these conversations are allowing um, people, a lot of white people, to understand that 
uh, people of color, black people haven't felt safe in America for a long time. And again, for some people, this might be like, I can't believe it took so long. Um, and there's been a, a huge erasure, right? A huge erasure of history. So there's a collective um, expansion right now of awareness where more and more people are starting to, to understand and be able to articulate, to give voice to an understanding of how structures have been built up over time. How did the police force get to be the force that it is? How did, uh, how did we end up as a country that incarcerates uh, so many people and disproportionately um, people of color and black men? How did this happen? What happened in the history? What did that have to do with um, white people feeling safe or protected or feeling a sense of patriotism or a sense of belonging or non-belonging? As this awareness is uh, expanding, as there are more conversations that are happening, uh, we're starting to see um, the, the tearing down and the dismantling of these old structures. And I think that over the last couple of weeks, all these statues being torn down is such an incredible visual for the astrology. So Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008, and I've certainly talked about Pluto and Capricorn a lot. And if you um, listened to the, the first podcast of 2020, um, I've talked a lot about Pluto and Capricorn in that episode. So this is an influence that's bringing us into awareness of uh, Pluto, the force of death, decay, and transformation and rebirth in the sign, again, Capricorn, that speaks to uh, structures, governance, lineages, and traditions, as well as protection and defenses. As cancer season begins, we have energy moving into cancer, into a sign that wants to include, that wants to create emotional awareness, that wants to bond, um, that also wants to protect and wants to nurture starting to oppose and therefore stimulate Capricorn. Um, what we have in Capricorn coming up on June 30th is the second conjunction of Jupiter and Pluto. So the first conjunction was late March, early April. There will be three this year. The third will happen in November. Um, Jupiter is an energy that expands and enlarges things, and it also brings learning and social movement. So it, it builds desire within the collective to grow and to move uh, into to some kind of stage of growth or space of growth. So Jupiter is conjunct to Pluto uh, right now, and it's forming its exact conjunction on the 30th of June. And throughout Cancer season, we'll have an illumination of this aspect. And this is an aspect that is... Um, showing us this breaking down of these old systems, these old um, uh, defensive structures that have been built to protect um, a small group of people. And now the people, so in cancer, we have this um, kind of image of the people and the sentiment and the interior are talking a lot, we're sharing a lot, we're sharing information. And over the course of cancer season, Mercury is retrograde. 
Mercury is a communicating function. It shares news, it has conversation, it thinks thoughts. Mercury is retrograde in Cancer, the sign of belonging, the sign of emotional awareness, the sign of sensitivity, the sign of home. We're having a lot of conversations about uh, lineages and histories, but also emotional experiences. And I think that this is part of how um, consciousness is spreading right now is that people are connecting more and more, not just with information that's coming in or data or stories, but with an emotional experience. Um, there's more and more willingness to uh, be transparent, to be vulnerable, to share in an emotional experience, and also to hear an emotional experience. Um, definitely in the last four years, and probably longer than that, there's been more and more consciousness, certainly, that's coming through um, for folks around trauma and uh, what happens with trauma in terms of its physiology and how it's function and how it can be inherited. Um, and so this is also part of what's happening now. We're having conversations, we're reflecting, we're remembering traumas, we're talking about them, we're sharing information. And all of this uh, work that we're doing as we connect with one another, as we talk to our families, as we think about our own feelings, as we think about what's happening in our interior spaces, is leading to the need to tear down these old structures um, that have to do with defense, that have to do with containment, with protect, uh, protection, with projection, um, in terms of this is how you should be. If you want to have a space to belong, if you want to have safety, then you need to be this way. Um, so as we move through cancer season, one of the ways that we want to be working with ourselves and with one another is building emotional literacy, building emotional awareness, and having conversations that um, get into the soft spots, that get into the tender spots. We want to be asking each other, how does it feel to be talking about these things? What are you noticing as you're remembering this story? And then the more that we can uh, participate with the growing emotional intelligence, the more these structures will fall. Because the structures themselves depend on complicitness, right? They depend on us either being unaware or asleep to some kind of reality. As more and more people become aware, we are more and more willing and active uh, to dismantle them. And as Jupiter and Pluto conjunct, um, this month, I think we'll see a lot more, even than we've seen in the last couple of weeks, of dismantling. Um, this is, the again, the second time we've seen this conjunction. And the first time we saw it was when uh, COVID got named as a pandemic. Um, and Capricorn, um, as a sign, is often associated, again, with structures, um, structures that hold systems in place, and particularly economic structures. And so when, COVID, when the COVID pandemic kind of became global, we saw a lot of economic um, uh, chaos and tumult. Um, and as, these, as there's been uprising up across the globe, um, another thing that we're seeing uh, is um, a lot of mutual aid and kind of responses to economic instability that are not, um, you know, not detrimental, but that are hugely generous and generative and transformational. 
So again, we've got a transformational force, Pluto, moving through Capricorn and now conjuncting Jupiter. And Jupiter wants to grow. It wants to expand. We probably will see um, these transformative events getting bigger. But there's also a, a ton of social desire. Jupiter is a social planet. A lot of social desire to grow, to expand our awareness, to expand our vocabulary, um, and to, to meet the need of new systems. We're moving into cancer season. Today is a new moon and today is an eclipse. Um, so let's really enter into cancer season um, and continue to resonate in the season throughout the month with awareness for our inner body awareness in um, the ways that we connect to ourselves emotionally and that we understand the need for safe space internally. As we think back on the last two years um, to the beginning of eclipses in July of 2018 in the Cancer Capricorn seasons, let's reflect on how we have become more emotionally mature Let's reflect on the ways that we've become softer, where we've been able to let down defenses, where we've realized that we're um, holding up, holding patterns that are actually limiting our growth. Uh, let's look for the, the spaces where we've recognized that in relationship, we've been too defensive, too judgmental, too guarded, um, for our own growth and we're ready to start to let those defenses soften as we become more emotionally attuned and let's also look for the intelligence in our emotional attunement that's helping us recognize how to create and contain um, boundaries in a healthy way so it may be that we're letting certain defenses soften as we simultaneously allow healthy boundaries to form. Um, when I asked you to think into a memory of, did you ever have an experience where you, where you couldn't hold space for someone anymore? Um, often this is a really challenging experience for us to go through, um, especially if the people that suddenly we can't hold space for anymore, maybe not suddenly, but <laughs> we're getting there, are people who we're related with or people who we're intimately involved with or who are dependent on us or we're dependent on them. These can be really challenging situations. And finding the ways that we can emotionally um, protect ourselves or give ourselves emotional clarity can be really important in terms of our own evolution finding ways to articulate our emotional experiences, to create um, spaces where we need it can be really important for our evolutionary experience. So in the last two years, what have you learned about your need for boundaries as well as your need for um, re relaxation or softening of boundaries? What have you learned about the nuance between defensiveness and protectiveness and discernment, kind of uh, more healthy discernment? In what you've been learning in these last two years and how you've been developing, how have you been navigating your own parental relationships? 
Cancer and Capricorn um, very much are associated with the parental axis in the chart, the mother-father energies. Um, mother-father energies can come through any caregivers, regardless of sex and gender. So let's call in nurturing, feeding, uh, safe space making um, uh, energy, as well as um, rule making energy, protection energy, uh, the energy that says, okay, you gotta get up, you gotta do your chores, you gotta get it together. Where are we feeling our relationship to the archetypal parent energies in our lives? And how are we integrating those relationships? Um, these eclipses definitely speak to the need to um, clarify our internal mother-father energies. Um, our actual parents and caregivers have their own baggage, of course. Um, and so as we mature, we want to um, recognize where their baggage is, that we maybe don't need to take their baggage personally. We can reparent ourselves in some ways. We can give ourselves the messages that we didn't get from them, give ourselves some of the training that we didn't get from them, and recognize where we didn't get the things that we needed so that we can have compassion for those parts of ourselves um, to be a little bit underdeveloped and we can hold them with acceptance, with love, with patience, um, etc. As we feel into the last two years, let's also feel into um, relationships that we have with work. Um, so Capricorn is a sign that is very associated to, again, the, the most external surface and the, the way that we grow into something, that we make something with our lives, that we seek to assume some kind of role or perform some kind of role in society and in the world. Um, messages that we get about what we need to be when we grow up and how we need to make something of our lives or something like this can be um, uh, really strong messages that come through the Cancer Capricorn spaces in a chart. So as we think back on the last two years, let's think back into our own relationship with work, with uh, our ambition, with the ways that we've been feeling like we um, should or, or need to be something or other. And then let's think about um, our relationship with just being, with taking care of ourselves, um, and with taking care of uh, ourselves in our just beingness. And how have these two um, experiences that may often feel contrasting, the need to work and the need to make something of one's life, and the need to rest and just be and be oneself, how are they in relationship with one another over these last two years? Mercury will be retrograde, as I mentioned, for uh, most of cancer season. It's stationed retrograde last Wednesday, June 17th. It will station direct on July 11th. When Mercury is retrograde, we are invited into a deeply internal space. So over the course of these next couple of weeks, um, it is a really good time to listen to your feelings. Um, again, so cancer is the place that feelings begin. Ask yourself to remember your origin stories. Um, ask yourself to remember your, your parent archetypes. Um, use writing, use talk, use conversation. Um, speak to yourself. Let these stories come out. This is a really important time for us to be sharing our stories. 
And in the, in the larger world, as we move through this um, really incredible and potent time, I think of a lot of softening and a lot of remembering, I think there's also a lot of space for story. And so if you're a person who has a story to share, or if you're a person who can hold space for someone's story to be shared, um, this is a really powerful time to be in community and share stories. Also with Mercury retrograde in Cancer um, is a great time to have conversations with family. And so I wanna offer that as well for Cancer season and especially for those of us, um, and I am very much included in this right now, who are recognizing that we need to speak to family about ways of being. Um, and so for me, um, I'm thinking about members of my family who are, um, you know, really, really blind to their own white privilege and have a certain idea of themselves and what they're upholding in the world that um, I don't think is accurate. So I'm going to use this Mercury retrograde to really meditate on my own compassion for these people, my care for them. I'm going to try and understand where they're coming from and prepare myself to be with their defensiveness and fragility. But I'm also going to really be thinking about how can I have these conversations in a way that is effective? How can I meet them where they are and invite them to meet me where I am? So Mercury in, uh, in Cancer, and especially Mercury retrograde in Cancer, is a great time to have uh, reflective conversations about feelings, about things that are very personal, very tender, very sensitive, Cancer can, can definitely shut down a lot. And so if you do decide to have these kinds of conversations to initiate them, if there is a, a shutting down or a retreating that you perceive in the people that you're talking to, um, give it some time and see if you can give space around that time that is warm. And so if we're thinking about cancer as a, a kind of um, energy that can hold space and that can nurture something, recognize that you might be at a certain place um, where you're ready to have uh, certain kinds of conversations, but the people you're talking to, this might be really new. This might be, um, this might feel scary or it might feel angering or something like that. So thinking about ways that we can hold space for conversation, but that we can also honor um, the, the kind of Capricorn um, end of the Cancer Capricorn um, continuum, which is consistency, which is dedication, which is commitment and stability. So if I'm going to initiate a conversation with my family member, I'm going to initiate it in a way that is um, uh, as spacious as I can. Um, I'm going to, to try and create safe space for myself and also for them in that conversation. I'm also going to be consistent with it. So I don't want to blow up at them one time. I want to find ways that I can steadily um, kind of come back to something and build a relationship around something. Um, finally, cancer season on the collective level is really profound. And so when I was talking about Jupiter and Pluto's conjunction coming up on the 30th, Mercury's retrograde, um, today's eclipse uh, and also the lunar eclipse that we'll have at the full moon in two weeks on the 4th of July. Um, and that full moon is really wild. I've looked at it a lot, especially in relationship to the United States chart. I think these next two weeks are going to be pretty incredible. 
I want to say that for those of us that are involved in activism right now, and this is definitely far beyond the United States as well, there's a, a huge collective opening and desire for shift right now. There are obviously a lot of people who want a lot of things and many people who are holding very tightly to preserving uh, like old news. Um, but there are so many people who recognize that um, you know, social justice is environmental justice, is water justice, is food justice, is justice for women, you know, that this field of transformative justice is a, an awareness that we need to change the whole system. More and more people are, are coming on board with that. So over this next month of cancer season, it is an incredible time to be an activist. And I really want to um, uh, encourage everybody to participate in the ways that you can. Um, I can't get out in March. I need to take care of my family's health. So I've signed up to phone bank for um, politicians who are supporting, um, you know, divestment from the police and military and a Green New Deal. I'm um, doing uh, food runs for neighbors. Um, I'm writing a lot of letters, making a lot of phone calls. You know, so we want to, um, uh, get active in whatever ways that we can. This is a really incredible time to make some big progress on the structural level. Mars moves into Aries on June 28th. And as I mentioned, Aries is one of the cardinal signs. Um, as Mars moves into Aries, it is moving into a square with Cancer and Capricorn. And the symbolism here of Mars and Aries is a lot of people getting fired up. So we have folks getting really impassioned um, and they're being triggered by the things that are happening in the Cancer Capricorn continuum. So people are getting triggered because of, uh, you know, collective events. They're feeling safe, they're feeling unsafe, they're feeling like things have to change, they're feeling a sense of restlessness, they're feeling a lot of emotions. As Mars comes into Aries, people will get more and more fired up. So this gives us courage, confidence, enthusiasm, it gives us force to work with, it gives us energy. Um, if we're working with self-reflection, it gives us a lot of energy to self-reflect, especially as Mars moves into conjunction with Chiron, which happens right at the end of Cancer season. Um, Chiron, I won't talk about that much right now, but we worked with it a lot in Aries season. Um, this is an assistive energy for self-reflection. And I think a lot of um, what we're seeing in people who are really you know at a place where um a lot and i think a lot of people are getting in this space where we're recognizing that in order to make change we have to change internally and externally and so we need to be available for self-reflection we've got to get through defensiveness through fragility through um semantic arguments we have to show up for the work that needs to be done so this is a big support for that and mars will be in aries through january um, Mars and Aries will also stoke up violence um, and confrontational energy and aggressive energy. So I do want to also say be careful and take care of yourselves in these next 30 days. Um, you don't need an astrologer, right, to, to tell you this. Uh, there, there, are some, there are plenty of people out there who are really trigger happy, right? And... Um, literally, you know, and that includes the cops. And so 
Um, there may be quite a significant spike in violence as Mars moves into Aries, and it is in Aries until January. And this is a wild year astrologically. So if you are um, in community with folks who um, are working with anger and working with aggression, um, you can help them by helping them learn about their feelings and talking to them about trauma physiology. You can learn about it for yourself. You can learn techniques to uh, round yourself and calm yourself in your own body, to um, feel and name emotions as they arise, to breathe with them, to move your body and allow them to sequence, and to use touch or other kinds of expressive methods to, to let some of that feeling go. Um, if you happen to be in community with people and you are recognizing that they're getting ungrounded around you, um, use any tools that you have and help uh, cool people down, help cool yourself down. Because this is a very heating influence, it's really activating, so we want to help each other stay grounded and keep our heads cool. Uh, Aries rules the head, and so Mars coming into Aries, it can be very inflammatory, very agitating, and aggravating for a lot of folks. Thanks for listening to part one of the Embodied Astrology Cancer Season episode. Stick around for part two, where I'll offer a guided meditation and visualization practice to support your embodied integration of this month's astrology, coming up in just a minute. Welcome back and thanks again for tuning in. This is part two of the Embodied Astrology Month Ahead podcast for cancer season. In this part, I'll offer a guided visualization and meditation on remembering and connecting with your primary support structures and bringing embodied awareness into some of the relational bonding patterns that cancer's energy stimulates. This meditation and journey is meant to support you through this month of cancer season in doing some of the deep internal listening work that I spoke to the need for in the chart reading. I want to make sure to let you know that some of the imagery and remembering that I invite could bring up deep emotional content for you as you listen. Many of us have experienced and inherited attachment trauma, and this meditation might be a trigger for some of those memories or sensations to arise. My intention in offering this meditation is to facilitate space for remembering and connecting in ways that support your healing and integration. I believe that as we connect to these deeper memories, we open pathways to heal ourselves where we've been wounded and meet ourselves where we feel lost. Please take care of yourself as you listen in with me here and trust your own instinct about what you need and how to engage with what you're hearing. Pause and take a break if you need or stop the recording entirely. If something comes up that feels important to process, please reach out to a trusted friend or supported person and ask them to hold space for you to do so. So we're going to begin by inviting in the memory of our beginning, of our becoming. Allow yourself to call in an image right now of what existed before your body existed. Is there some kind of feeling? Does it look a particular way? We wanna get in touch with the vibrational quality of our spirits. 
what is the essence, what is the energy that called your body into being? And without thinking too hard about it, let's just accept that our bodies chose to be born on some level in the places to the bodies that they were born into. That there was a resonance. And in your embodied awareness, in your imagination, can you see, can you feel the beginning of your body? Your body begins with a seed and with an egg. The egg is, um, is fertilized, is inseminated, and as soon as that happens, the outer layer of the egg becomes impermeable. So this has a scientific name called the zona pellucida. So after uh, a sperm has uh, made its way into the egg and there's a reception, there's a connection, then the outer layer of the egg um, becomes impermeable. And that is a boundary, that's a barrier, it's a protective space and a holding space. And let's connect with this idea for a moment that at the very beginning of you, of you as a body, of you as a being, there's a protection, there's a holding and a container. And that what happens then in the next hours and days of your life is that in this very small space, this small and contained and protected space, all of your cells start to multiply. And what happens inside of the space is creative growth, is multiplicity, multiplication and division, the cells dividing, multiplying at the same time. And that all of these cells in these first hours and days of your growth are omnipotent. So the meaning of this word is omnipotent, potent in all directions. The very first memories in your cells, the very first awareness of your own being is that you can grow into anything. All of these cells, they can be anything at all. So in your body now, taking a couple of deep breaths and feeling the movement of your breath as it expands and condenses inside a body where cells have already chosen, where they've already been uh, moved into defined roles, into certain tissues, into certain organs. Let's try and also feel this omnipotent presence, these early stem cell memories. The space inside can be anything.
Now, as your body grows, and I want to hold space for many different kinds of growth. We live in a time when bodies grow in many different ways. But as your body grows, there is first the development of what's central. So first your, uh, your organs, your mouth, your throat, your guts, uh, they're developing. First your central channel, your nerves, your spine is developing. So from this space of pure potential, there could be anything. Can you feel into what is central? How do you locate what's right at the center of your own being? And there's no right or wrong to this answer. Can you feel into your own center? From the center arises head and tail, directionality, verticality, what will move down and what will move up. And can you feel in your own body that there's an axis in your own center, that there's a downward moving into the base of your spine and into your legs, that there's an upward moving into your head and the space above you? Can you feel your own directionality, your own relationship to up and down, earth and sky? After center is established, after vertical axis is established, then we start to grow into our rights and our lefts, into the volume of our tissues, into our different shapes and our different form. So now feel into your body and feel its complexities, all of the limbs, all of the different shapes. Feel the way that you can move and stretch, you can position yourself. Remember that your body began as pure potential, that your cells hold a memory of being able to be anything at all, that the wisdom in your body knew how to anchor, how to root, to find earth, to find sky. That this knowing is in your center, right in your own center. Now, all of us had some kind of embryonic and fetal experience. All of us were born and all of us have come into bodies that have lived lives on earth until now. So now do a, a brief remembering of your history. Can you invite yourself to imagine where you were planted? Where were you born? What were the conditions of the space and the place that you were born? See the people who are around you. See the people who are nurturing you, who are cultivating you, who are feeding you. See your body as it's growing, as it's orienting. See yourself as you're moving as you're learning to move, as you're learning to talk, as you're learning to orient, 
And as you learn to orient in the world, as you come into your body, as you learn to speak, what are you learning about belonging? What are you learning about who you belong to? About where you belong? Are there rules that you are learning? Are there behaviors that you are learning? In the learning of who you are and who you belong to and where you are and what you belong to, are you also learning who you are not, who you don't belong to, who doesn't belong to the place where you do? Continue to move in your memory through your growth as a young person into your adolescence. Invite memories in of same and different. Same in who you are, who you belong to, who is family, who is around you, who do you expect to see. Different in the sense that you don't know customs, you don't know language, there are remarkable differences in culture, there are differences in skin, there are differences in expectations, differences in behaviors or attitudes. As you grow into your uh, childhood and adolescence and adulthood, how do you know who you can belong with? who is safe, who is home, who you can trust? How do you know who you don't trust, who you don't belong with? These lessons are complex. They happen through lots of different layers. And so as you imagine your growth, imagine all the different influences coming in. How do your communities grow? How do they contract? What are pivotal moments in your life where you learn something about belonging? Where you are safe? Where your presence is expected? Where your presence is not expected? Where you feel an alien? Where you feel out of place? Can you call in these memories to your being? And as you call them in, what happens in your body? Notice the feelings of familiarity and belonging. When you are with people or when you are in places that you would call home or that you would call family, where you expect yourself to belong, and I know for many of us, home and family is not always that, so include uh, any other context, any other beings that feel like this is an anchor. This is somewhere you don't have to explain yourself. What is the feeling in your body in those places with those people? When you call in memories of difference, where you yourself are confronted when others come into your home, into your territory, when there's a shifting in what is normal, what's expected for you, what is the feeling that arises in your body? 
when you have been in places or with people where you are very aware of your own difference, what is the feeling of your body? How do you notice it in your being? I'd like to ask us to call up any specific memories now, and this might be with family, it might be with strangers, it may be in any kinds of context, but let's call up any specific memories now where we felt like we needed to be something that we were not. When did you feel like you needed to be something that you were not? How does that feel in your body? Do you have any memories of trying to be something that you are not? Do you have any memories of striving, of feeling ambitious, of feeling like you want to be something and you are trying to make yourself into something? And you could maybe be that something, but it is not what you are right now. Or there is a feeling of somehow something is lacking. Somehow something is not quite what it is expected to be. Feel that sensation in your body. Just notice where it is. Notice how it is. Notice any parts of your body that get uh, tight that feel gripped. Notice parts of your body that the temperature changes or where postural tone shifts. And then can you call up a memory of a time when you felt totally safe? You could be completely who you are. There was no need to try and be anything that you are not. Can you call up a memory of a time or a relationship, a, a moment in a relationship where it felt like there was nothing to try for? You could just be. Feel that memory in your body. Notice what happens in your inner body. Notice what happens in your posture. And then one more memory. We'll, we'll look inside of our memories for a time when we recognized that someone else felt uncomfortable that they felt that they could not just be, and that we were a safe space. You were a safe space. Is there a memory that you have of just one time when you were able to say something, to hold space, to be in such a way 
that someone else felt safe, that they could just be. As you remember this, see the way that you knew they were uncomfortable. How did you know? What did you see happening for them in their body? What did you feel through their energy? What did you hear in their words or in their tone? How did it happen that your body responded in such a way that you were compelled to hold space for them? How did you do that energetically? Feel those qualities in your body. Notice what happens. Notice what activates. And then finally, if there has ever been a time, and I imagine there has for most of us, when you were holding space and you knew that you couldn't anymore, has there ever been a time when you were holding space, when you were doing something, being something that allowed someone else to express, to feel safe, to be themselves, to uh, behave in certain ways. You were holding emotional space. And then you knew that you couldn't do it anymore. What was that feeling that you couldn't do it anymore? Where did you feel it in your body? How did you assert it? What happened in however you asserted, in your words, in the exchange? This is embodied research, it's memory. What are the sensations? Where is your attention? And then allow your hands to come over your heart and your belly, kind of holding your center body. And again, let's connect with the center. And whatever this means to you is correct. So in your felt sense and in your awareness, travel deeply into your own center. Imagine, feel, remind yourself of the cellular intelligence in your body that is omnipotent that can be anything. From that space, from that memory, invite breath. 
if you were to encourage this space in its confidence, in its growth, how would you do that energetically? Can you bring your awareness and your attention into this space with kindness, with love, with acceptance, with enthusiasm? Connect with your own center, connect with your own essence. What is your deepest wish right now for your own being, for your own spirit, for your growth, your evolution? What is your deepest wish? Connect with it as an energy, as a feeling, and as a vibration. Let it grow and expand inside of you. What are you holding space for in yourself right now? What is the energy within you that is completely you? Not trying to be anything else. Purely, completely you, your essence, your vibration. Breathe into it. Imagine your essence and vibration expanding inside of you. Moving out into your body. And from the part of you that is thinking, that is imaging, that is feeling, that is aware, hold this essence, hold this space, nurture it and affirm it. Again, let's call upon the image, the felt sense, and the presence for any guides, any helping spirits, our ancestors, any beings in other realms that you want to call in right now, that you can see that they are also holding space for this essence, for your spirit. There's a community around you. And that community deeply desires your happiness, your growth. That community is here to support you. trust that the wisdom in this community will help you adjust if you're going the wrong direction 
You can trust that sometimes the adjustments will not come in ways that you recognize. How can you open up your awareness, your acceptance, your invitation for support and assistance from your family and your support team in the other realms, in the invisible realms, in the realms that may not be immediately seen or felt or heard? And then let's imagine that our spirits and our guides are holding space around us, that we are holding space for ourselves, and that just like this first protection, this zone of protection that we formed around ourselves when we are first beginning to grow, Let's see that there's an aura of protection around our beings now. And let's feel and imagine and sense into all of the growth and the potential for growth that's happening inside of this aura, inside of our own bodies. <laughs> 